Let the children of God say amen. amen. Let the children of God say amen again. All praises, honor, and glory go to God the Father, His Son, Jesus the Christ, the head of the living church. And lastly, the Holy Spirit who continually comforts us all. How blessed are we to be in God's house as God's people to figure out God's plan so that we can take what God has already allowed us and promised us to possess. I don't know about you, but this morning I'm feeling like moving forward into what God has already delivered. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to moving in God's promise. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to being a possessor because everything I'm seeking to possess belongs to God anyway. I'm in a mood right now that I can do anything, go anywhere, and have whatever I ask for in the name of God himself. I don't know about you, but there's somebody worrying right now about something they can't have because they ain't asked the person who they need to be asking. Uh, you didn't ask your boss for a raise. You didn't ask your family members for a loan, but nobody's gone to the Lord who can give overly and abundantly more than we ask or think. I, I don't know about you, but I, I'm ready to, I'm ready to have some church. Say now when you can. But before we get into the lesson, we want to remember Sister Jacqueline Pornier, as she's currently and still uh, trying to recover, and we ask the Lord bring her and Reginald Head back to a normal state of health, as that is his will. Uh, we had a wonderful time at the Midwest Lectureship this week. I'm thankful for those of you who traveled uh, to Detroit. Uh, prayerfully, you were enriched by the lectureship. Uh, I spoke that Friday. And uh, as I get with Ken, maybe next week we'll offer that CD for free uh, so you can be enriched by that as well. Uh, there are some youth events at the end of the month, and Carl will come later and tell you more about those things we have planned around that last weekend for our little kids as well as our older children. Uh, let's always be cognizant that today is our Vision 2020 congregational meeting. We want all of you to stay for a light meal. Say amen when you can. A light meal. You want a heavy dinner, come back next week. It's homecoming. This is a light meal uh, to tide you over. Uh, there's going to be chicken for some reason. That's not a light meal, but there's, it's a light chicken meal. Let's call it a chicken snack. Don't come here wanting a white piece and a dark piece and, and red beans and rice. It's a snack. Say amen when you can. Uh, to encourage you to stay for today's church meeting. I do know that there is some excitement, anticipation about it, but I'm going to tell you up front, uh, it's more than just about building buildings. Uh, it's about building people. Because uh, if you don't build people, you'll take empty people into a new building. Meet me, if you will, in First Chronicles chapter number 4. First. Chronicles chapter number four. And meet me there in the ninth verse. While the technician is working on the boiler, I encourage you to warm yourself by the fire of God's word. First Chronicles chapter four, there at verse number nine, when you find yourself there, let us be standing for the reading of God's holy, inspirational, and infallible we have two verses this morning for consideration. That does not mean the sermon will be short. Say amen when you can. That just means we have two verses for consideration. First Chronicles chapter 4, verse number 9, as the chronicler breaks within a genealogy of the line of Judah, he records these words. Jabez was more honorable than his brother's. His mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain or sorrow. I gave birth to him in pain. Jabez, later on in life, cried out to the Lord of Israel and said, Oh, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from 
Paul so that I would then be free from pain. And it was gall who granted his request. If you have some time, I want to speak from the thought, when pain meets prayer. When pain meets prayer. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Let's go to God in prayer. Devilly, kind and gracious Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for what was and what is right now in our very lives. Father, be with everyone under the sound of my voice, Father. Open their minds, their hearts, their spirits, their souls, and yes, even their ears, Father, as they hear a word coming straight from you via your manservant. Father, I'm not deserving to stand behind this sacred desk, and without you, my life would be purposeless. The only purpose I have right now is to be a conduit and communicator of your word. Father, let your words be spoken, Father, but I'm so thankful that you decided to use my mouth. Just because I'm the one who's speaking, I, in fact, am not exempt. I need this word just like everybody sitting in front of me. Bless me, bless them, bless us to receive what you have for us right now from your word. Help us to come as empty pitchers before a flowing fountain. Fill us, Jesus. Fill us even when we do not want any more. Father, bless the word. Father, bless your manservant. Father, bless all of those who need to hear this word. All these things we ask in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. When pain meets prayer. When we ask God to enlarge our territory, when we ask God for an increase, I want to educate you this morning that this phraseology and terminology is not just denominational rhetoric. We tend to pray from a seemingly Church of Christ orientation. When Christ's prayer for his church, individually and congregationally, was an enlarged territory. God wants to enlarge your territory. Congregationally, even pre-Pentecost, the church was to spread from Judea to Samaria, to the othermost part of the world. Looking forward to the day of Pentecost, Jesus showed by a reflected audience when Peter was preaching that this gospel and this mission concerning Jesus the Christ involved all languages and all countries because even in Acts chapter 2, it tells us that there were visitors from Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia and Persia and Pamphylia and Egypt and parts of Libya, that's Africa, y'all, belonging to Cyrene. There were immigrants from Rome and Jews and proselytes and Cretans and Arabs. This is for everybody. The church was meant to have an expanded and enlarged territory. As it relates to the congregation, the body of Christ, everybody is invited to this Holy Ghost party. Even in the Old Testament, there was called an increase for the corporate body. For it was in Isaiah chapter 2, verse number 2, where we were reminded that now it will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of the Lord will be established as the chief of the mountains. Meaning what? There'll be other mountains, but there's going to be one chief mountain, and that mountain will be raised above the hills, and all the nations will stream into it. Part B or part A of verse 3 says, and many peoples will come and say, come let us go up to the mountain singular of the Lord and the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us concerning his ways and we may walk in his paths. God called for the congregation to have an enlarged territory. But God has even called us to an individual increase. God wants to see us take the land. 
God wants us to receive his promises. God wants us to enjoy what he has set aside for us. And it's because we are so afraid to have a bold and audacious prayer life that we have constantly asked God for a little because, quite frankly, we're scared of a lot. And while this type of bold and audacious prayer life takes faith, and faith and fear can never coexist, one must understand that one must caution having a serious prayer life. One must caution having a tall, deep, and wide prayer life. Why, Jeremy? Because when you pray for more, you're going to have to endure more and prepare more. Because whatever you think to ask of God, God then has the propensity to magnify and multiply even that expectation. What you're trying to tell me, Jeremy, God can give you more than you ask for. The question really is, are you ready for more? But for his kingdom, corporately and individually, I pray that he enlarges his territory. In our professions, we should pray for a personal increase. In terms of our health, we should pray for increase. In terms of our children, we should pray for increase. In terms of our confidence and self-esteem, we should pray for increase. In terms of our maturity and faithfulness, we should pray for increase. Y'all can look at me funny if you want to. In terms of our finances, we should pray for increase, not just for me, but for all of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. And to that end, I encourage all of us to not just dream big, but pray big. We were created for big things. For it was the writer in Deuteronomy 28 that reminds us the Lord will make you the head and not the tail. He'll put you above and not beneath if you listen to the commands of the Lord your God. It was Jeremiah that had to remind us that before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Then he came back 28 chapters later in Jeremiah 29 and says, yeah, I knew you before you were formed in the womb, but don't you know, honey child, sister, girl, and brother man, that I have plans for you? Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Well, Jeremy, that all sounds good. But that's Old Testament. You're right. But doesn't the New Testament expound and improve upon the promises of the Old Testament? So if God wanted to prosper you, and enlarge your territory then, don't you think he still wants to do marvelous things in your life now? So marvelous that he sent his son to die for you. So marvelous that he exchanged law and punishment for grace and mercy. But somewhere along the way, we got scared of being biblical. Enlarge my territory. Give me increase. That's right there in the scripture, but because they say it, we're afraid of it. We become afraid of being biblical. Now we put God in a box. We've left theology and went to theoretically. Well, God can theoretically bless you. Well, God can theoretically enlarge my territory. But I serve a God. Even in 2015, who can do it? And who will do it as soon as we believe that God can? Text begins by telling us about Jabez. Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. Jabez in the text was defined as a man of high character, one who was respected. The phrase more honorable is an expressive phrase, meaning a man of great weight. 
this weight being chiefly due to his character. And this mention of his character rises him above a family picture of unscrupulousness. There was something lacking in Jabez's brothers. There was possibly something lacking in Jabez's mother. But there was something different specifically and particularly in Jabez's life. And while the Bible only speaks of Jabez here, what it does say about Jabez is profound. Jabez, unlike the other folk in the text, had a prayer life. How many of us have a prayer life? I'm not talking about a prayer to wake up and a prayer to go to sleep. I'm talking about a prayer life. I'm not talking about a prayer when you got more muff and money. I'm talking about a prayer life. I'm not talking about praying when you know you got to stay and be admitted to the hospital. I'm talking about a prayer life. And since you're going to look at me funny, I'll just preach to myself for the next 40 minutes, and I'll tell you the fact that when you have a prayer life, you're constantly living and learning in and through prayer. You do nothing without praying. You go nowhere without praying. You talk to nobody before you pray. You don't walk into work and some of us need to pray before we walk into work before we pray. You don't go to school before you pray. You don't say good morning to your wife before you pray. You don't let your kids leave the house until you kiss them. Tell them you love them. Then you pray because you know that everything in life articulates through and from prayer. It's a prayer life. Having a prayer life is a lifestyle. The sad thing is some of us work out more in the gym than we pray to him. And when we work out regularly, we call it a workout regimen. How many of us have a prayer regimen? How many of us have a prayer life? Jabez was different because he had a prayer life. Well, how can you see, Jeremy, in this small text that he has a prayer life? Because his prayer, though abridged, was profound. And this profundity does not come from a cursory or non-committed relationship with the Lord. His prayer was not, now as I lay me down to sleep, I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. His prayer was not, God is great and God is good, and we thank him for our food. He gave us a war room prayer. A prayer for blessing, a prayer for increase, and a prayer for protection. Jabez, the text says, is an honorable man. Now it talks about his mama. The text says his mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. Therefore, his name means pain. Your name is Jabez. It doesn't mean warrior. It doesn't mean strong king. It doesn't mean strong tower. It doesn't mean fearless leader. When you enroll in kindergarten, everybody going to know your name is Payne. When you're in the fifth grade and you're playing pickup basketball, everybody's going to know your name is Payne. When you enroll in college, they're going to call you pain. The rest of your life, from my standpoint, will be dictated by what I name you. His mama named him pain. Notice, it's usually a father's job. It's, it's usually... A father's job. It's usually a father's job to name the children, especially the young men. But notice when you go home and read the rest of First Chronicles 4, everybody else in this genealogy and every other genealogy is usually introduced 
and defined by their father. But here, Jabez's father is nowhere to be written. Thus, the mother of our text gave birth in pain to a child who up until this point has no personal identity. And the familial identity that he does possess is not of the highest reputation. Because he was the most just and respected of his brothers. This boy was born in pain to his mother with a textually absent father into a family of low reputation. But notice while verse number 9 spoke of his background, verse 10 revealed his foreground. This text preliminarily teaches us that with God, you can transform familial to faithful. With God, you can transform having no identity to having his identity be your identity. This text shows us you can transform possible poverty into proverbial riches. It shows us you can transform having no land to inheriting the cattle on a thousand hills. His mama named him Pain, saying, I gave birth to him in pain or sorrow. I delivered him with sorrow. Now, this sorrow, in any other context, would simply refer to normal birthing pains. And suppose that she did have pain in the delivery room when she named him Jabez. But from a purely scriptural perspective, I can't buy that Jabez is named pain because she felt pain in the delivery room. Because she and every other woman since Eve should have already expected pain at childbirth. This naming of Jabez had something to do with a pain that was not normal. With a pain that was not natural. And this naming more than likely was concluded long before the hospital and the midwife. If it was just about natural pain, how come his brothers weren't named pain? If it was about natural pain, none of his brothers were named epidural. It was something deeper than normalistic physical pain. Something had to happen before she got there to where she knew that when this child comes out healthy, he's going to be named pain. There's something about a woman, and the Bible tells us that they have the ability to harbor things in their heart. I submit that there was something, a part of her pathology and ethnography, while the child was still being carried, that brought forth his naming and nomenclature. Because it's unfair to make a child live with a name for an eternity based upon a momentary situation. And whatever personal pain was felt before birth obviously was not alleviated enough in the afterbirth for her not to change her mind before the eighth day circumcision. If this pain were just physical, she would have changed her mind as she held her newborn baby. Because even Jesus, when talking about his disciples and the pain and tribulation they'll face on earth, Jesus says a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child has now been born into the world. But for Jabez's mama, there was something about her pain that did not change even though she was holding a brand new baby boy. This pain were merely physical. She would have gotten encouragement from watching her baby boy coo and coddle. But there's something deeper 
going on in her pain registry. As to where birth couldn't take it away. Joy couldn't take it away. A healthy delivery could not take it away. And even going to church couldn't take it away. She took her baby boy to the priest on the eighth day. And even that experience going to church couldn't take away her pain. Her sorrow and pain was comprehensive and deeply rooted. And she took the possible pain of her pathology and current predicament and infused it into the nomenclature of her child. And then bundled up her newborn baby on the eighth day and took her pain to church. But thank God that her pain, Jabez, matured. And thank God that her pain matured and chose prayer as his profession. There's nothing wrong with having pain. Can I be vulnerable with that? There's nothing wrong with having pain. Let me say it again. There's nothing wrong with having pain. We all hurt from time to time. But the question is, what happens when pain matures? When pain matures, it becomes praise. When pain matures, it becomes praise. When you have the pain of people lying, hurting, and discounting you, let that pain not fester but mature. And when you move along a little further down the road, look back on that object or person who brought you pain. Then you can praise. Saying, I'm so glad. I don't look like I used to. I'm so glad I don't think like I used to. I'm so glad I progressed beyond the point where I used to be. I would have snapped plumb off 20 years ago, but now I got a little bit more decorum. Why? Because yes, you hurt me. Oh, I wish I had somebody in here. But was it not Joseph who says, yeah, you did it, but what you meant for harm, God meant it for good. You brought pain in my life, but as I look back on your pain, the pain was part of the process, and the process was to progress me from pain to praise. Jabez's mama gave birth to pain. Jabez walked around as pain, but then one day pain met prayer and brought forth praise. But sometimes God gives us pain so our pain can mature us and so that our pain itself can mature into praise. Sometimes things happen in our life that we don't understand and we can't control and it hurts us deeply. But honey, that's all part of our praise profile. Why you praise so hard? Because I've been through some pain. Why you shout so much? Because I've been through some suffering. Why you clap like that? Because I've been through some stuff that you just don't understand. Why do you got so much praise when everything's falling down around you? Because I've been through pain before and I've seen God come in like me a sporin. Somebody like possibly Jabez's mama has the pain of being a single parent. Honey, let that pain mature you. Your praise one day will say, I thank God that though I was a single parent, I thank God that even though they walked out the door, I thank God that even though I had to suffer and struggle, my praise says I didn't do it by myself. But where I was weak, God made me strong. When I was lacking, God picked me up. When I was slacking, God stepped on in. And then the pain of even being a single parent becomes praise in your life. 
Somebody has the pain of being lonely and insecure, the pain of worry, the pain of financial distress, the pain of physicality because you can't move like you used to, because you can't get up and go like you used to, because it takes you longer to do the same stuff you used to do at a quicker pace, because now you got a disease and you don't know what the doctor's going to say next time. Or maybe, maybe, maybe you have a mental defect and there are some folk in the church who are struggling with a mental defect, but I'm so glad that even when I have pain, God can mature my pain to praise. And every time I have a praise in my mouth, it's because I got a pain that's behind me. I don't want to have no pain, Jeremy. Don't let your pain be numbed or medicated by ignorance or ignore ants. Yeah, that's hurt me. I'm just going to ignore it. Yeah, that bothers me. I'm just going to ignore it. Yes, I'm frustrated. I'm going to ignore it. Yes, he hurt me. I'm going to ignore it. Don't numb your pain. Your pain has a purpose. But let pain mature and have its perfect work because when pain has its perfect work, then praise can begin. Stop covering it up. My wife gets on me all the time. As you all know, I have bad sinuses and bad allergies and tis is the season. And I I do not like taking medication at all. I want to feel what's happening to me. Because if I take medication, I have a falsetto thought that it's better when it's not. So therefore, though I'm acting well, I'm walking sick. How many of us take that same thought process spiritually? As soon as a little something comes about, we're running to the CVS of our prayer life, trying to get hooked up, and now we're walking around as if everything's okay when it's not. God said, I sent that pain to mature you. I sent that pain for your praise, but now you ain't got no praise on your lips because you keep ignoring the pain. Pain has a perfecting work. Give me some script with that lip. I'm so glad you asked. James chapter 1, verse number 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face diverse temptations of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith develops what? Perseverance. It develops pain. Let perseverance, let pain finish its work so you be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Furthermore, evident from this account, there's a struggle going on in the family of Jabez. They seem to be under the blight of poverty, for Jabez says, Lord, enlarge my territory. Increase my material possessions. This request for possession." It's not just for things, but rather he wanted to be a possessor of an inheritance. Now, Old Testament survey and Bible class students know that in Israel, the land had been divided amongst the tribes. And from there, amongst the families, by lot. Every family had its own inheritance, which was passed on from generation to generation. You know that this inheritance was prized as being the great possession of the family. But Jabez had not a father of mention. Jabez had a family not worth mentioning, which means he had no land to call his own. But he knew that if his land was not to be given by family, it could be given by faith. Therefore, Jabez, verse 10, cried out to the Lord. He called out to God. And it's powerful when sorrow calls sovereignty. It's powerful when sorrow, Jabez, calls sovereignty God. But this wasn't a call of maybe but it was a call of must be. It wasn't a call of probably he'll come through. 
It was a call of definitely he'll come through. Jabez called upon the Lord with authority. If you look at the Hebrew word here for call or cry, it's the same authoritative word that God used when he was creating the world. And every, every time he did something, he called it a certain thing. That placed the authority of God on that object. When he called it day and night, that's his authority. When he called it land and sea, that's his authority. In Genesis 2, he allowed animals to be formed from the dust of the ground, and he brought them to Adam, and Adam gave them a name. And what Adam what? Called it. That's what they were. This calling shows authority. I'm sorrow. I'm calling out to sovereignty. I'm pain. I'm calling out for praise. I'm Jabez. I don't deserve anything, but I'm calling out to God. But when I call to God, I'm not sitting here with a probably on my lips. I'm calling to him with some authority on my lips because I know that he has all authority. And you can look at me funny if you want to, but it's time that some of us stop praying to God like he might possibly do something and pray to God like we know he's going to do something and stop praying to God out of theoretically, I think it was James who said a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. How many of us pray faithfully but we pray fearfully saying maybe God will do it this time. Maybe God will work it out. Won't he do it? Won't he will? God is not a God. You don't have to ask God of his credentials. And that's how some of us pray to God. Well, Lord, if you're able, Lord, if you're powerful enough, Lord, if your resume reflects, you can handle it. Jabez says, no, I need something right now. I need a father in my life. I need somebody who's going to act in my life. I'm calling with authority out to Elohim. Elohim being God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all together. He didn't call Jehovah, though Jehovah is sufficient. He says, I'm calling out to everybody, all hands on deck. I need some answered prayer. What are you praying, Jabez? Number one, I'm praying that you'll bless me. And bless me indeed. What's bless me mean? We'll talk about it a little later, but bless me right now means to keep me close. But in keeping me close, Lord, change my outlook. I can't change, God, what my windshield has seen. That's my past. But please take my windshield and make it my rearview mirror. What you asking for, Jabez? Keep my past in my past. And keep my eyes on my future. And when I do look back in my past, help it only to be in relation and context to my future. See that the name Jabez literally means he afflicts or gives pain. Jabez was asking God to not allow his name to characterize his destiny. Your name, your history, your genealogy, your family, your environment, do not rule your destiny. Listen in my notes, but it feels good right here. Stop making excuses. Well, I had to be this way. You knew we grew up poor. Stop making excuses. While I was raised in a single parent home, stop making excuses. Well, you know, I, I was raised and I had an alcoholic for a father. And, and stop making excuses. When my environment was such and such, stop making excuses. Don't you know that God can turn it around? He will make ways in your future that you never thought were possible in your past. God can do it. Jabez says, yes, my brothers ain't about nothing. My mama, I don't know what was wrong with her, but she named me Pain. My daddy, I can't find him in First Chronicles. 
But that's no excuse. I want to change my situation. I want to change my outlook. I want to have praise in my life. Though pain was in my past, so it's time for me to consult God. It's time for me to get down on my knees in prayer and pray not possibly, but pray with authority because God can change things. Stop making excuses. In antiquity, Names were often associated with the character of the person or the desirable or undesirable destiny. I'm so glad that my God changed me and didn't let my characterization categorize me. My character surpassed speculation. My excellence surpassed speculation. I know that Jabez walking around life with a name like pain. Every time people were saying he ain't gonna be nothing. You can't expect great things from him. You know what his mama named him. You can't expect great things from him. Have you ever met his daddy? You can't expect great things from him. Look at the brothers he had before. You can't expect great things from him. His mama has some issues possibly going on. But understand the fact that God can bless us even amongst people's speculation. How many folks said you'll never be nothing? And now you are. How many folks said you'll never go nowhere? But you did. How many folks said you'll never be happy? But you are. Don't ever let nobody dictate where you're going if they don't know where you're being. God knows where you're going. That's why he says, I got plans for you. Plans to prosper you. I know where you're going even though they don't know where you're being. Carl, I'm sure there's somebody who told you you'll never be in a happy marriage, but you are. Brother Jed, if somebody told you you wouldn't age gracefully, but you have. Brother Bear, somebody told you you weren't going to be an elder, but you are. Hello? Okay, y'all going to look at me funny. Let, let, let's take a walk back down memory lane. Uh, somebody told a little black boy that was raised in Detroit, Michigan, on the Upper West Side, in a three-family flat. Some of y'all missed that. Or what he wasn't going to do. They pulled out charts saying this is as far as it'll go. But I serve a God who rises us above the speculation of others. When I was a child, I had a hearing deficiency. I, this is before tubes in the ears was a normal surgery. This is the 1980s. I couldn't hear well, therefore I couldn't speak well. I couldn't speak well, therefore I could not matriculate ordinarily in school. Therefore I had to be in special education. Somebody missed that. Now, when you go to special education, they're going to tell you you can only go so far. As a matter of fact, in the fourth grade, they'll say, if you ain't got it by now, you're on your way to prison. That's why it's called the prison pipeline. But see, people don't understand that it doesn't matter what speculation says. It matters what God has planned for your life. You can't tell me, and that's why I'm sensitive when folk talk about a short bus. I used to ride the taxi to school. I didn't even get on the short bus, but now I drive the bus. Don't tell me what God can't do. Don't let speculation rule your life. Now, now this got personal. Now, yeah, got I ain't never met my daddy. You know what folks say when you never meet your daddy? They judge the rest of your life by the fact you don't have a relationship with your daddy. They'll say that a woman can't raise a boy because you ain't never met your daddy. They'll say you're going to be effeminate because you never met your daddy. But I'm here to tell somebody almost 30 years old ain't a funny bone in me. Say amen when you can. I like women and I know how to be a father because somebody raised me. Don't let people define you based upon what your name is or based upon what speculation says. 
I'm going to tell you something else about me since we learned in Jeremy Flowers today. I used to be a fighter, and I used to be a brawler. I used to always get in fights. You know why I got in fights? Because we were poor. And because we were poor, I had to wear clothes I didn't want to wear. Because we were poor, I had to wear glasses that I didn't want to wear. And since I was bigger than all the other kids, they would pick on the big kid with poor clothes and holes in his pants. You know what the big kid did? He'll start rumbling when you start talking. One day when one of the security guards decided to handcuff me and want to take me somewhere, he said, you'll never be nothing. Oh, I wish I could go back down and find that officer who placed handcuffs on me and tell him, you must not know who I am. You must not know who I serve. You must not know that the charts were wrong. You must not know how God works in my life. Don't let, don't let, don't let people categorize you. Don't let people speculate about you. Don't let people have a final decision on you. Don't let people determine who you're going to be. God can do it. God can do it. God can do it. So when people see the praise on your lips, it's already telling the pain in your life. And sometimes it works better when you show them both sides. When you say, I'm Dr. Jeremy Flowers, and I used to be in special education. My name is Miss So-and-so. And I raised three boys on my own. They're all college graduates. But I did it as a single parent, living in the ghetto. Yes, we've been married 50 years, but it wasn't always roses. There were some sleepless nights, some talkless nights. Hello, sometimes. Some nights when somebody didn't come home. Some nights of accusation. Now, I know y'all too pretty and perfect. Y'all don't want to take off your makeup and loosen your tie and fix your wig. But, but, but if you're real with yourself, you got to where you are, not because the road was paved with gold. Okay, I got more sermon. I better stop. I better stop. Before, I ain't going to finish. Before... Jabez's prayer, notice, he first had good character. He had, uh, uh, he was honorable. His heart was right. What should I say? Don't pray for increase until after you first pray to get your heart right. The prayer of Jabez parallels with the Lord to establish the work of our hands. But before God blesses, your hands, he will first inspect our heart. Why hasn't the Lord made it to where things are better for me? How does your heart look? It's bigger than just what we want to do. But the question then becomes, why do we want to do it? The Lord hasn't blessed me just yet. What do you want to do? And why do you want to do it? I want some more money. I'm tired of being broke every month. What is it that you want? And why do you want to do it? I want to be married. I don't want to be single. Why do you want to be married? In all facets of life, motivation matters. We can plan it, but it's God who perfects it. We can hope it, but it's God who makes it happen. We can plant fruit, but it's God who brings it to fruition. Even after having God's permission, we can lay it brick by brick, but it's God who congeals it together. And we must start our petition and our prayer with him being the cornerstone, him being the chief cornerstone. I'm going to start with Jesus and line everything else up according to him. We must start life's plans with him as our cornerstone. 
we must start this building project with him being our cornerstone. Nothing of God will work without him being the cornerstone. Don't lay down nothing that is not measured against me because it will not pass inspection. You want a new job? Lay it next to me. You want some more finances? Lay it next to me. You want to get married? Lay it next to me. You want to have healthy children? Lay it next to me. You want to be successful? Lay it next to me. But you better make sure that what you lay next to me measures up with me and my will and my word and my way. Make sure that your petition, whatever it is, is a righteous petition. It's one that's going to give God glory. A petition not so that you can be popular, but effective. Not so that we can be large, but efficient. Not for notoriety, but for ministry. Not for more comfort, but for work. Ooh, can I? Mm. You hit a vote on a building? Good. The building is not made to make you more comfortable. If we want to build a building for comfort, we'll build a lounge. We're building a workhouse. A warehouse. That's why we ask the Lord for it. We ask righteously that, Lord, we want to do more. And this is how you know if it's a righteous petition. The question is, how will it give God glory? Well, I want a better job. How is it going to give God glory? Well, I want to be married right now. How is it going to give God glory? Well, I want a new car. How is it going to give God glory? I want to have a child. We've been struggling to have a child. How is it going to give God glory? It's not just about what you want. God is more than a cosmic genie. Lord, I pray, says Jabez, to enlarge my territory, meaning what? Give me more. But Jeremy, what should I be doing while I'm waiting for more? Appreciate and manage what you have already. I know it it doesn't fit here because it's not popular what I'm about to say. But before you ask God to enlarge, which he's more than capable of, the question must first be, what have you, I, and we done with what we already have had entrusted to us. And that's as we vote on a building and as we vow to build even ourselves. You've heard preachers say it. Why would God give you a mansion when you won't clean your bungalow? Why would he give you a luxury car when you never fill up the tank on your hatchback? Yeah, I know who they are. Let me get $3 on six. You're going to be right back. Well, I can't afford to fill it up. Just stop looking up Lexuses on your iPhone. Matter of fact, maybe take the iPhone back to the store. You got an iPhone, but you always call them AAA because you out of gas. Hey, man, when you can. Get you a flip phone and you can drive around somewhere. Why would God give you more if you can't take care of what you already got? Well, I, well we, we want a bigger building, a new building. So what you going to do in the meantime? Hello? Ooh, ooh, ooh. We need more classrooms. Who's in class now? Man, folk up shouting a minute ago, Eric, what happened? All the air went right out the room. I'm down for more. But what are we going to do what we got? Hello, enlarge my territory. Okay, what you going to do what you got? Well, we need more. more. The fellowship hall is too small. Okay, when we get a bigger one, we got more tables and chairs. You going to help put them up? Hello? Let, let me get off of that. Let me get off of that. I'm going to lose my audience. All right, now, now. Everybody wants to get from God. But how many of us pre-plan 
what we're going to give based upon what we're asking to give. The bank, before they give you a loan, they've already pre-calculated what they're going to get as a service of what they're giving you. So I had to pre-plan to give God praise even before I get it. I had to pre-plan to give God the glory and the honor even before I get it. I got two more points and I promise you I'm done. No, it's two, it's two. I ain't gonna make it three. Some of y'all waiting for that chicken snack. Say amen when you can. Notice I did say snack. Uh, as, as we look at God enlarging his territory from a congregational perspective, cantankerously ignorant people will say, well, Jeremy, I'm afraid of the rhetoric of enlarge my territory. It seems to talk about growing a church, and the church just shouldn't grow large. Well, honey, enlarge my territory is not rhetoric. It's substantiated scripture. The church my father envisioned had all races, all languages, and all nations flowing to it. The Lord's church has not had the impact that he desires, not because of his failing, but because of our faltering. We as God's people have been lazy. How many visitors you brought this year? We've been lazy. We've been continuously in observation mode, watching what everybody else does, then complaining as they do it, even though they don't share the same faith as we do. Unfortunately, we're allowing them to do better works than we do. We, we, we've been so scared that we've stopped being sacred. We're so worried about the others that we've lost our own identity. And then some of us are so us-minded that we've looked so deeply into the mirror that we forgot that more exists than just our own face. Can I tell you something? The person who wants the church of yesteryear, can I tell you something? The one who wants the church of 1950, can I tell you something? The church who wants, the person who wants a church of just family and us and us only. Hello? And you know why you want the church of us and us only? So you can feel comfortable, never be challenged, and keep whatever power you think you have. You know why small churches stay small? Because people don't want nobody smarter than them coming in there. Nobody younger than them coming in there. Nobody with more stamina than them coming in here. And as long as we keep this tight knit, what's quiet in here? I don't know Spanish, so I must be talking English. The church is meant to grow and not by your controlled methods. Well, I want people to come in, but they got to look like me, be successful like me, talk like me. They can't use all that bad English. They can't have a... It's not a country club, this Christ church. Country clubs say, yes, we're going to open up for four new members. The Lord's church says, I'm going to put the net down, and whatever it attracts, whoever they are, whatever they come in with, whatever baggage they got, we'll take it. What you pray, Jabez? You better sit down, flowers. I'm going to sit down. He prayed four things. Number one, God, bless me and feed me. What do people mean when they say, bless me? Bless my children. Bless my health. Bless whatever it is. Sometimes we use bless me as a way of happenstance to cover everything that we might forget. You ever pray and say, well, Lord, I, I don't know what to pray for. Just bless everything. But this phrase is often used in Scripture. 
as a sense of having a relationship with God. Blessing is drawing near to him, finding him, knowing him personally, to be close to God, to walk with him, to share in his life, to know his spirit. This is what Jabez was asking for. He says, Lord, I want to have more, but first I want to be close. What else are you praying for, Jabez? Expand and my territory. Lord, regardless of my past, regardless of my present, regardless of my family, my poverty, my circumstance, I'm asking not just for increased geography, increased longitude and latitude, but I'm praying for opportunity. I'm praying for restoration. I'm praying to gain my inheritance. Some of us need to pray this prayer personally. We need to have an enlarged territory. But understand this statement. Spiritually speaking is, I'm not looking for more acreage. I'm looking for more access. Some of us needs the Lord to enlarge our territory, past our hang-ups and our habits. Lord, help me outgrow this stuff. I'm tired of the same sin over and over and over again. Enlarge my territory. I'm 50 years old. I'm tired of doing the same stuff I was doing when I was 19. Don't think just because some folk got older, they stopped doing the stuff they used to do. They just got good at it. Say amen when you can. Lord, I pray that your hand be with me. Meaning what? Cover me as I go down the road. I don't know what's coming up next year, next month, tomorrow. I don't know what's coming. But whatever it is, let your hand watch over me. Well, Jeremy, isn't his eye enough? Jesus is always, God is always watching us. And we got his eye over us. What do we need his hand for? Because his hand brings power and action. Watch over me, Lord, but also act on my behalf. Lord, keep me from evil. Keep me from evil people. Keep me from the evil that's myself. And keep my current self from my past self, because I know there's evil in my past. This story was put here in the Chronicles to help us when we're faced with things that don't work like they're supposed to faced with bad reputation, when faced with a bad family situation, when faced with poverty, when faced with postpartum depression, when faced by broken families, the solution is still prayer. And don't just pray to God for what you think is possible. Pray for the impossible. And when you pray for the impossible, God will show you how possible it really is. Because the borders of your possibility are just the shores of my impossibility. Somebody here needs to pray through their pain. Somebody here needs prayer to get through their pain. Somebody here needs prayer for the Lord to enlarge their territory, give them new opportunities, give them new growth. Somebody needs prayer for protection. And ooh, I promise, let's be standing and not singing. Let's be standing and not singing. If you're standing, I'll stop. Let's be standing and not singing. Notice the movement of the prayer of Jabez. First, Lord, bless me. Keep me close. Why are you keeping me close? Give me more. You gave me more? Protect me. Why? Because as the Lord gives you increase, you're going to need some protection. Your haters, your naysayers, auntie and them, they don't want to see you blessed. You may not notice, there's somebody in your house hating on you right now. It's almost time for Thanksgiving, and y'all going to all sit around the table and act like you like each other, and you're going to pray, and there's somebody at that table who don't like you, don't like your guts, not because you did something, but because God has done something. Every time I come to mama's house, she got her new car. We gonna go over there to mama's house and she gonna talk about her new job, all that money she making. Her kids so good and my kids can't get D's in school, but her kids got A's in school and we gonna hear about it all Thanksgiving dinner. I'm on my fifth divorce and they married for 30 years. So I'm a, they hating on you. God is giving you increase and they can't take it. So yes, you better pray. Yes, you better pray your way out of pain. 
Yes, you better pray your way through pain. Yes, you better pray when you meet pain. But when you pray and you ask for more and you ask for guidance and you ask for direction and you ask for the Lord's hand, you better say, Lord, protect me. Why? Because I know you're going to do it. When you do it, folk ain't going to like it. Somebody going to hate on this project we about to do? Lord, protect us. Somebody's going to hate on what God's about to do in your personal life? Lord, protect us. Somebody's about to hate your walk in favor? Lord, protect us. Somebody's about to hate the fact that God's going to enlarge the territory in your life? God, help us. But I'm so glad that when pain meets prayer, comes praise, perfection, progress. God, thank you for the thorn. In the words of Cleveland Matthews, thank you for the thorn, because though it tore me, it didn't eliminate me. If, perchance, you're not a child of God on this morning, if you're not chosen Christ as your personal Savior, do so right now while the blood is still running warm in your veins. How do I do it, Jeremy? I'm so glad you asked. You must first hear the word of God. You've heard me. I'm loud enough. The question is, what are you going to do? You must believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You must repent of your sins, meaning what? I'm ready to turn from where I was. I'm ready to stop being who I am. I'm ready to go on and do something new. You must confess, meaning what? I know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Was he baptized in water for the mission of your sins? Acts 2.38, live faithful, Revelation 2 and 10. That all breaks down to this. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Are you ready to change your life and accept him as your Savior? If you are, walk down these aisles. We'll baptize you today. We'll do it right now. And you'll leave here with a clear conscience, knowing you're a child of God and on the pathway to salvation. Now, for the rest of us who are here, who are children of God, are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? Are you tired of doing it yourself? Tired of calling everybody else instead of the Lord? Perhaps you've cried to the Lord and he still seemingly has not heard your cry. Is your heart right? Are there cobwebs in your spirit? God say, I'm ready to work. I've already promised it to you, but, but I, I can't give you what's ahead of you if you don't fix what's within you. Perhaps he's giving you something new, and you don't know how to handle it. Perhaps people are attacking you because God is blessing you. Will you come to Jesus? Say, Lord, I don't know what's going on, but I know you can figure it out. Lord, I've been through pain, but thank God you matured the praise. Lord, I've been through something, and you brought me a mighty, mighty long way. I've come too far to turn around. I'm climbing up, and I cannot come down. There's somebody who needs the Lord. Whatever you need, however you need it, Come to Jesus. Now, we're about to have praying time. So unless it's an emergency, you don't need to go outside, wait till it's over. Hello? If you need Jesus, nobody should be going that way right now. Everybody should be coming this way. Well, I got so many things, but I don't want to hold everybody up. We feeding you. You ain't got nowhere to go. It's time for healing. Why you preach so long? It's time for healing. You can't let it go because you need to let it go. Come get what you need for what you need it for. Your heart is heavy, your feet should be moving. Your mind is bothered, your feet should be moving. Your conscience is struck, you should be moving. It's praying time. You got pain that you want to be praised? Come down for prayer right now as we sing.